it, how long have we been doing this show? You're listening to The Wrestling Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, and at obpapparel.com. Hey everybody, it's The Wrestling Life. It's episode 206. It is July 24th, 2019. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, one week to the trade deadline. So much to talk about this week. And so many things you we can't talk about. Hey, uh, everything is great with World Wrestling Entertainment. They got their largest television audience of the year on Monday. And uh, everything's everything is great. Everything's fixed. Everything's great and it always will be. Yeah, so that's good. Yeah, I. so I guess we can just get into the show. Um, a bunch of legends came out and said hello, and that was it. Yeah, the show was pretty much, hey, you remember all these legends? They are still alive. Yeah, um, I guess I was a little frustrated because outside of the Foley and Bray Wyatt thing, and I guess the DX and Seth Rollins thing, they didn't they didn't really try to do anything with the large audience or shoot like a big angle between some current talent to try to, I don't know, push for the SummerSlam show that's in like three weeks. The last time they did something like that was at Raw 1000, which was like seven years ago to the date or something like that. <laughs> or, uh, yeah, they didn't they didn't put that much thought into it. But that time, they had CM Punk lay out the rock, and they were off to the races for the next you know year and a half of their their top world title programs. Yeah. So problem is there's no there's no Dwayne Johnson coming back to work. True, but you could have, you know, used... So, I would say there's two people on WWE television currently that could do a segment with Steve Austin where he could endorse them and it would feel, like, organic. Uh, Becky Lynch being the one obvious one. Right. And Kevin Owens being the other, who uh, maybe right now feels more obvious because he does the stunner and is feuding with the boss... But you could have you could have just instead of having Austin, you know, ramble for ten minutes, uh, you could have had him come out and him and Owens could have done stunners on Shane and Elias or whatever, or could have had him come out and you know do a beer bash with uh, with Becky Lynch or something. And instead, he talked about eating sushi with Hulk Hogan and hugging Ron Simmons for an uncomfortable amount of time and. Uh, I don't know, started to try to tell a story about him and Jerry Briscoe in South America or something. South Africa, and they were smoking weed. Ah, okay, yeah. I, I, but, uh, yeah, then he got cut off by at, uh, by the, <laughs> the now sharp 11 p.m. deadline that Raw has to abide by. So let me, let me just break in here and say that I think you hated this show, and while I'm not going to defend a whole lot of what they did on Monday, I will say... I didn't think it was a bad show. 
I think it was much less bad than it usually <laughs> is. But there's like nothing. I'm not gonna. This is not my hill to die on. Okay. I'm not gonna. You know, if you if you hated the show, great. I didn't hate the show. I didn't think it was great. But I'm okay with sending legends out there and not just laying them out one after the other. You get, you know, a sh- one of these. They used to have these shows, and they just have a bunch of mid card heels lay out all the legends and make the legends look dumb. I don't care. I don't. I don't want to see Steve Austin. You know, raising Becky's arm if the crowd's gonna crap all over it. Do you and think I would, the crowd would crap on that though? I don't know. I don't know. They have done Becky no favors in the last three and a half months. Fair, uh, but I, I definitely don't think they would have done it with Owens, is my point. So you could have done something. And, and or if you didn't want to do it with Austin, I guess you kind of did it with DX and According to Dave Meltzer, that spot that Seth was in was supposed to be ricochet, and it was supposed to be like the big, like uh, all the old timers come out and put over uh, ricochet. And they say it's because ricochet had an elbow infection, but I actually believe it's because Kevin Nash refused to put over a guy that small. <laughs> I get no problems with that. <laughs> That's my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. So I think you obviously hated the show. I I thought thought it was fine, like, but But isn't the fact that they brought back every single legend that's ever been on the show. Also, Eve Torres was there and like it was just kind of slightly better than it usually is. Isn't that a sign that it was still a pretty bad show? Oh, maybe. I don't know. I think it it hurts that they do so many nostalgia shows like (laughs) I I guess the real the real last real nostalgia show was what January 2018. So yeah, it's been the, it, the Raw 25. Right. So it's been 18 months since they've d- done one. But it feels somehow like they do these all the time. <laughs> um and so it loses, you know, I am so tired of seeing Sergeant Slaughter and Ron <laughs> Simmons, god damn it. And I love Ron <laughs> I love Ron Simmons. <laughs> like that the damn shtick is great. Sergeant Slaughter, I have no idea why he's here, but Iraqi sympathizer. <laughs> Sergeant Jeez. Slaughter never drew a An dime. Enemy combatant <laughs> never drew a dime. Vince brought him to the ring in Montreal <laughs> in case Brett started to shoot on him. <laughs> oh my god, that's one of my favorite stories. <laughs> <laughs> Vince looked around the locker room and was like, hmm, who can I bring with me? Fat old Sergeant Slaughter. Slaughter. Oh, man. Not even like Briscoe or somebody that was like an amateur. Right, Briscoe's a legit shooter. Yeah. He could have like maybe tried to like tackle Brett or, you know, do a <laughs> single leg on him or something now. No, Slaughter. Oh, just amazing. <laughs> yeah. That one might have been my favorite and also subsequently least favorite at the same time segment is when Sergeant Slaughter, the Hurricane, Rob Van Dam, Impact Superstar Rob Van Dam, yeah, and uh, and Kurt Angle, aka the Big Four, came out and uh, just stood there. There's a lot of people just standing there on the show. Um, so everybody, I would just like to point out that. Everyone was like, oh, man, Rob Van Dam looks so high. I have had to watch Impact tw- shows twice in the last month. I'm sorry. And 
Rob looked downright sober <laughs> on Raw compared to how high he was on both of the Impact shows that I've watched <laughs> in the last hmm. month. Well, <laughs> you know, he, I guess maybe he cared a little bit more about, about being on this show. As he said in his uh, post-show interview, when else am I going to be in front of a crowd this size? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. So you hated Raw. I think it's an indictment. Or you think it's an indictment of everything they're doing that it was only slightly better than usual, given that they had everyone there. I don't... I don't disagree so strongly that I'm going to go to bat for them. <laughs> Fair. But I I don't I didn't hate it as much as you hate it. I can't like I guess like if you take a segment by segment, there was nothing that I thought was like embarrassing. I just think as a whole I watched it and I was like, that was that was a waste. They just didn't do anything. And again, I don't I don't need, as you said, I don't need every every legend to be brought out and made fun of or laid out by, you know, Drew McIntyre or somebody, but like do something with one or two people, please. I just, because otherwise what's the point? Like as much as people hated that raw 25 show a couple years ago on that show, they had DX uh, put over the Balor club. And then they had in the main event segment, they had all the legends come out and Braun beat up Kane and Brock and all the legends clapped for Braun to end the show. So, like, at least on that show, they did two angles that were were the old guys saying, "Hey, look at these new guys. Look, you know, look how look how great the new guys are." So, we didn't get that at all on that show, except for I guess the the Seth segment. So, yeah, I just feel like it was a missed opportunity and a waste. I think that's a fair a fair a fair assessment. Uh, SmackDown this week, the Shane McMahon show. He was in the opening segment. He was yep. in the second segment. Uh, he was in the next to last segment, and he was in the last segment. <laughs> he sure was. Uh, the women on the show got about nine seconds. Uh, Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton were in the nine o'clock segment. Uh, Finn Balor challenging uh, Bray Wyatt to a match at WrestleMania or at SummerSlam uh, was at like nine thirty, and yes, Shane McMahon in as however many segments you just said four. Yes, may have been more, but those are the uh, at at very least he was in four segments and just all over the segments too. Not like Shane walking backstage. Like the last time I gave a Shane McMahon segment count. I think it was on Raw like two or three weeks ago, and he was in seven or eight segments. And two of those, he was just walking backstage. No, these were like chain-heavy segments. Yeah. It was... Uh, uh, I guess they're they're doing a match, though. Now we know they're, uh, they're doing Owens and, and Shane at SummerSlam with the stip that if Owens loses, he quits. Not... Not the stipulation anyone would want, which is if Shane loses, he's gone. But well, and <sighs> the the problem here is that Shane has played video of Kevin Owens saying "I quit," so they've already tipped their hand that they're going to do the mankind rock finish from their "I Quit" match in 1999 or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Seems pretty likely. So Shane's gonna win that match, and 
I, I like to remind the listener every year, SummerSlam is a heavy heel win show because mm. they feel like they have to set up, you know, their next six months or whatever a baby face is chasing. Uh, so SummerSlam is going to be just heels winning up and down the thing. So Shane's definitely going to beat Kevin Owens in that match. It's depressing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I I don't want to see Kevin Owens doing a Steve Austin tribute act, which is maybe why another reason why <laughs> I, I don't like the idea of Steve Austin coming out and endorsing Kevin Owens. Like it doesn't work. It's not gonna work. I I, I, I don't know. I just don't like it. I like it because Shane McMahon gets beat up every week and made to look a fool. And when he was feuding with Mike and Roman, for the most part, he was standing tall every week. So I like that. I like the parts of it where, where the heel looks like an idiot and is constantly being outsmarted. I suppose that's fair. Hey, uh, we're done. Uh, are you excited for, I guess we're not done yet. Are you excited for Smackville? <laughs> Smackville, which is this, it's a two match show, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. They'll probably end Elias doing a promo, which will probably turn into a match. Sure, um, that'll be a that'll be something. They're doing that thing where they're putting a part of a house show on the network again. Is this and like I, a test for whatever that tiered network thing they keep teasing they're going to do? Is I thought that's what the Dean Ambrose one was, and that was three months ago. Yeah. <laughs> I just don't. I just don't know. Like maybe they're back to teasing it again. I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I guess. I. I. I don't. I don't know why else they'd be doing it if they weren't. If they weren't looking to tease something. Yeah. So uh, Smackville. I liked on SmackDown this week where uh, Kofi Kingston challenged Randy Orton to a world title match at SummerSlam where. And Kofi has to defend the title on Saturday, Sunday, whatever, Saturday, Sunday, I don't even know what day it is, against uh, two other people. Yes. And, the, and announcer, the announcers didn't even bother saying that this match, of course, at SummerSlam will only take place if, actually, if Kofi retains. I think Michael Cole did say that once, but um, yes, for the most part, it was, it was an afterthought to the, the big SummerSlam angle. Sure. Uh, what did you say about uh, Shane being outsmarted and made to look a fool? <laughs> well, you know, it's the big, it's the big push for SummerSlam. You gotta, you gotta, get, you gotta give him the heat and the big angle here. We're, we're recording this. <laughs> SmackDown is going off the air. Yes. <laughs> well, there you go. I guess. Okay. Okay. Shane just beat down Roman Reigns. And Shane then, was all by himself. Participating in the three-on-one beatdown of Shane, and then Owens came back and made the save. Yeah. Anyway. Uh... <laughs> it's interesting to me, though, that Owens and Reigns are so clearly positioned right now as the top two baby faces, and neither of them are the champion. Yeah. Yeah. They're definitely... Uh... I don't... Kofi's been on Raw more than he's been on SmackDown. Yeah. <laughs> Which is part Wild of card too. rule. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, all right, so that's uh, that's what's going on in WWE. The G1's happening. We didn't do a show last week pretty much because G1 is ruining my life. Sure, um, sure. Yeah, G1's going on. 
there's been a lot of good wrestling there. Each each show I think so far has been better than the one before it. Uh, any G one thoughts? Yeah, I mean it's it's I think to me, and we've talked about this a little off air. I think this uh, coupled with the best of the Super Junior tournament last month has really just hit home for me how superior the New Japan in ring product is to any company any anywhere else in the world right now. I mean, I gotta get an argument here. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're they're really good. Will Osprey and Okada. Uh, I think one of those two guys is the best wrestler in the world, and I think it maybe just depends what day it is. Yeah, T- Tomohiro Ishii is uh, throwing his hat in that ring as well. That I think in this tournament, as he seems to do every year in the G One. Here's the deal. Like I know Ishii's, you know, forty, forty plus years old. And he's five foot four or five foot five. The only reason I can come up with why he isn't a perennial IWGP title contender slash multi time champion or whatever is that he's five foot four or five foot five. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, and I know size isn't supposed to matter as much uh, in companies that aren't WWE or at all in 2019, but that's like the legitimately the only reason. I could come up with. I was discussing this with uh, some of the Wrestling Observer people, and they were like, well, he's pretty old. And I'm like, well, <laughs> yeah, but as long as he keeps that agility, which is what sets him apart, really, is other, right. he's not just a, a pit bull brawler. He's a pit bull brawler who's really agile. It's like, as long as he keeps that agility, he can work that style into his 50s. Right. This isn't like uh, you know Makabe or or Nakanishi or some of those guys that are you right, know, not, just not that all of them are terrible, but they're very clearly their their best days are behind them. And I'm not sure that's the case with Shii. No, it's pretty crazy. Uh, and it's not like he's a high flyer, right? You no, know? but even if that were the case, I think he's a wrestling genius, <laughs> and he can figure out oh some some style to work. That yeah. he can do for the next ten years because he's a wrestling genius. Yeah, no, I think he's 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 incredible. And we we talked on the show maybe a month ago about how if I think you said if you were if you were starting like a wrestling school, you'd want Rocky Romero to teach it. Yeah, I think Ashii, like I would like he would be like my special, like he would be another guy I would want, especially to work with big man. Even though he is ironically not, you know. He's whatever five 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 or whatever, but like to work with that that sort of brawler style and teach guys who are maybe brawlers by trade to also be able to work a match with any kind of opponent because obviously she can work the you know the real stiff brawling style with with uh, Moxley or with Jeff Cobb, but you know we've also seen him do you know crazy sprints with Omega and last year's G one and. And you know he can he can just do he can he can do everybody else's style and adapt his style to everybody else's style, which is a really really rare gift with I think in in wrestling. And he's, he's just someone that yeah, as you said, is a genius. And uh, hopefully when he's done, he's he's training at one of the dojos when he when all is said and done. Yep. So I think he and Moxley had the best match of the tournament so far uh, this past week and. 
uh, I guess it was Friday last week now. Um, I don't know. Did you like that match more? Uh, Ishii and John Moxley, or I guess a lot of people liked Okada and Osprey. Uh, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you... I, I wouldn't argue with you if you said either of those were your favorites. I think I lean a little bit more to Ishii and Moxley just because... It was so, uh, you know, even among all these great New Japan matches felt very unique to me and very, uh, just very vicious and, and stiff. Well, but at the same time, I was never scared for either man's, you know, long-term well-being. It's just a, just a really, really uh, memorable, it felt, it felt like a fight. Um, Okada and Osprey, on the other hand, felt, uh, you know, our, our buddy Stink likes to use the phrase a very modern match. Which mm-hmm. I think usually in his case means uh, uh, a lot of kickouts and not a lot of psychology. This was an example I think of like Osprey and Okada together felt like this is the cutting edge of what pro wrestling is in 2019 to me. Like high level main event professional wrestling, all of these crazy counters, all these crazy uh, reversals and really they both did a really great job of when you think you feel like you know the the signature move is coming the other guy reverses it and turns it into something else to me it was just like it was just the very best of what like modern professional wrestling can be so they're very different types of matches and like i said i wouldn't necessarily disagree with you either way personally i think i like the moxley match better but yeah, that o- that Okada Osprey match. Like I said, I just I just felt like I was watching like the cutting edge of professional wrestling when I watched that match. Yep, no argument for me here. Uh, I think there were spots in the Okada and Osprey match that were like some of the greatest spots I've ever seen in my life, though. Like <laughs> there was a sp- yeah, there was a spot where uh, I forget what it was. Now Osprey went for uh, Okada went for a rainmaker. Osprey reversed it into a stormbreaker and it looked like he was going to hit his stormbreaker. Yes. And the sound that the people in the building made. Yes. Was like the greatest thing I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> like the people realized what was happening. They thought he was going to hit it and they thought he was going to win and they were okay with it. <laughs> yeah. And then Okada reversed it into a rainmaker. Yeah. Um, but Yeah. I think maybe if Osprey won that match, it might have been my favorite match of the tournament. Not that I'm like such a giant Will Osprey fan, but right. because it felt like as as you mentioned that moment where he lifted him up for for Stormbreaker at the end of that match, and the crowd was so electric, and it felt like this is this is your new top foreign star if you if he pins Okada right here, and yeah. still a great match, and you and. Obviously, he still came out better for it either way, I think. But it felt to me like if Osprey pinned Okada right there, that might have been like he's the he's the top American wrestler in Japan for the next decade or whatever. Top firing guy, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Um, let's go through and give a couple little notes on some of the uh, performers in the G1 here since... It's my life for the next three weeks. <laughs> Lance Archer's been incredible in this tournament. Yeah, I am uh, tripling down on my he's better than Drew McIntyre uh, hot take from a couple weeks ago, by the way. 
Drew McIntyre is like the most boring wrestler in the world. Yeah, <laughs> he really is. But I've been told by everyone for like six years that he's like can't miss and a main eventer <laughs> and great promo and he's such not... a great worker. And <laughs> look, he might be a great promo outside of a scripted WWE promo environment. I don't know, but in that environment, he sucks. No, he's no good. He's also he should... so big and muscle bound that he can't move. Yes. And uh, the only time he leaves his feet is for the Claymore kick. And other than that, he's too muscle bound to uh, do anything that looks like an athletic move. Yeah. And like, I, I've always felt like he has like a, just a weird body type, too. Like his arms and legs are really long. So everything he does kind of looks awkward to me. But yeah, whatever. Lance Archer, much better. <laughs> much, much better is, is my point. Tell how he's moving around better. Yes. I mean, they, I, I actually, speaking of Lance Archer, I really enjoyed, and, and you mentioned this to me before I had gotten a chance to watch the show, but they were able to get so much out of not a lot. And that's not an insult to them for not doing a lot. They were on a, the same card as Okada and Osprey. And uh, so rather than try to out moves them or anything, they decided to go out there and just have a match where the, the veteran... Yeah, KG smart wrestler is wrestling the big powerhouse, and they were great together. Yep, Kota Ibushi. If you want to criticize Ibushi as a worker, and I think the criticism would be his facial expressions aren't there. I think that's mm. pretty much the only note I would have had for Kota Ibushi <laughs> as a wrestler, <laughs> other than you know, stop kicking guys in the head and uh, stop stop landing on the top of your head so much. Yeah. Uh, but his facial expressions have been really good in this tournament. Um, he's it really helps put the whoever he's wrestling helps put them over. Yeah, so that's cool. Uh, Kenta, I think, has probably been a little bit less than what I expected, but has not been. He, but he's been good, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, I I don't have a, a lot of complaints for for the Kenta match. I don't think he's had that great breakout match and obviously he's wrestling okada this weekend so that'll that'll probably be the you know that's the match i think everyone's expecting to be like the the classic right yeah i would think if kent is gonna have one in this <laughs> tournament anyway i mean yeah if you're gonna have <laughs> wrestling the best guy in the world it's probably where you're gonna have your best match sure <laughs> hot take there but uh <laughs> But yeah, I, I haven't thought he was bad, but I, I, I liked the match he had with uh with Lance Archer and um yeah, I think I think he's been fine. It's it's interesting, obviously he and Okada are both uh neither of them have lost, correct? Uh that's correct. So that's I mean that's that's interesting to me that Kenta's been inarguably has been pushed harder than anyone else in, in the A block so far, and that's Moxley is leading the B block. Yeah. So the two, I guess that's, I don't know if refreshing is the right word, but two newcomers are being pushed so hard out of the gate uh, over existing talent. Is, uh, it's, it's not the WWE way, I guess. No. And I think you got to be careful there. Like, I don't, I don't anticipate Moxley wins that block still. Um, you don't want to necessarily bring in a guy from outside and have beat all your guys and then it's oh, like sure. oh he's better than all our guys <laughs> i mean That's you don't the want dna realm. right you don't want to do the wwe thing either where you bring him in and you just beat him <laughs> right. uh, to, to prove that you're better it's like no he works for you now 
Um, but I think there's probably some kind of happy medium there, but I don't expect Moxley to end up winning that block. Um, I just, I don't think he's going to have the kind of dates available that new Japan's going to want, um, you know, to like really go all the way with him. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I could, I, I think, um, I could see him making like the B block finals against, uh, Naito or something, but sure. Yeah. I, it doesn't seem likely that, uh, that he that they would go that hard with him. It was just it was just interesting to see them come out so strong with those two guys with Kenta and and Moxley right out of the gate, and it just struck me the difference in in how newcomers or guys from other companies were always treated when they jumped ship to the WWF or E. Uh, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I mean overall, I've got I've got pretty much no complaints. I'm mildly embarrassed that I picked Jay White to be the B block winner, and he hasn't won a match yet. But obviously, that's part of the storyline too. So I'm not I'm not that worried about it. Yes, there's still time. AEW, big announcement coming of uh, today. <laughs> Probably by the time you're listening to this podcast, you yeah. will know what the announcement is. Yeah. Is it just going to be probably that they're uh, the official announcement of the night and name of their TV show? I'm assuming we're getting the Wednesday Night Dynamite announcement. Yes. Yes. So let's assume that's what it was, and uh, cool. Or it's, you know, another Tully Blanchard. <laughs> I like that. Like, I don't think that's like, a, obviously, that's not like a huge thing. <laughs> I like the idea that Tully hates Dusty so much that <laughs> long after Dusty is dead, he is now going to try to screw with Dusty's son just because he hates <laughs> Dusty Rhodes so much. I love, I kind of love that. <laughs> you know, it's a fun idea. Like, but. I've done such a 180 on Ty Dillinger as a guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, and it has nothing to do with the fact that he's going to be marrying Peyton Royce, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I used to think he was something and I've decided, no, he's nothing. Yeah. Yeah. If, if Tully was in the corner of maybe like MJF or yeah, somebody that seems to have like a real good future that you want to build around. Yeah. Maybe you could, maybe that would, uh, <laughs> be more interesting for uh for the wrestling world at large sure all right so uh game planning here uh, our schedule announcement here uh no show next week we're gonna take that time we're gonna bank some evergreen shows because i'm going on vacation at the end of august and we'll be able to do a show for a couple weeks so uh we'll be back with a new show in two weeks and then we'll have some uh, evergreen content for you, kind of probably for the rest of August. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. So that's you the deal, go on right? vacation, and then you come back, and like a few days later, I'm I'm going to Chicago for all out. Yeah. So that's uh, packed month, packed month of August. But we'll we'll still have that that great TWL content that you crave uh, in some <laughs> form or another, that's as right. as uh, all throughout the month of August. Huge in Japan. Huge. Huge in Japan. The continent Huge in- of Asia. Huge in South Africa. Yeah. yeah. Some people in England listen. That's that's nice. All right. Uh, anything else you want to get into before uh, I have to go to sleep and wake up in six hours for the G1? <laughs> Just one last thing we forgot to mention with the, the raw stuff is that uh, during the, uh, the DX and the club segment, at the end of it, AJ started yelling about he's going to go down to NXT. <laughs> and yeah. I... My thought of that is now, if I were doing this, 
the club should beat up DX and then like the undisputed era should come after them for revenge. Hmm. But what I think is going to happen is that the club is going to go beat up like Johnny Gargano and the undisputed era so that AJ can have a match with triple H. (laughs) I think we're going to feed AJ a bunch of young guys from NXT (laughs) so that he can get ready for triple H. I can't disagree with you because I've been watching Triple H for 25 years now. Yeah. <laughs> Good Lord. What are, what, are, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing anymore? I don't like, know. What's, what, what, are, what are we? What are we, what are we, we could, you know. <laughs> we could have been fans of anything. Right. You know, we could be doing a podcast about the, the upcoming Democratic debate. Yeah. Late, late night, uh, late night talk shows. Yeah, MLB baseball Network trade deadline. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Instead, no, it's still it's still Triple H and Sean on top. <laughs> I did like watching Triple H and Sean have to stand out next to like Eve Torres and Pat Patterson <laughs> in that final se- in that final legend segment last night. While while Hogan and Austin got the spotlight. Yes, I think that was that was uh, actually maybe my favorite part of the whole show. Mm. Watching Sean and Hunter just kind of stand in the background. Mm-hmm. all right uh we've talked about everything under the sun let's get out of here until next time i'm ethan and i'm liam and we'll, we will be back soon with more stories from the rest of life that was weird goodbye thanks for listening to the wrestling part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. For other podcasts like this, head to obpapparel.com. The Wrestling Life is brought to you by OBP Apparel. For Baltimore's best local sports gear, head to obpapparel.com. Whether it's baseball or football season, we've got you covered with Baltimore's best local sports gear. That's obpapparel.com. Thanks for listening to The Wrestling Life, a part of the Elite Podcast Network at obpapparel.com. Be sure to go and subscribe to us on iTunes. Just search for The Wrestling Life on the iTunes store. Make sure you leave a review and tell us how we're doing. Also, be sure to follow the guys on Twitter at TWL underscore podcast for live tweets during wrestling events and other hilarity throughout the week. That's at TWL underscore podcast. Now back to the guys. Started stumbling over the outro like I always do. <laughs> and like, I got really doing this for 207 episodes or whatever. I really got mad at myself. <laughs> uh, if it makes you feel any better, my other podcast host <laughs> also botches the, the outro to that show every, yeah. every yeah. time. It's not like we shared DNA or anything. No. <laughs> no. <sighs> Good lord. <laughs> When is the next Democratic debate?
It's on CNN, right? Yeah, it's soon. Is it they did uh... the, their big, their fake draft? Oh right, right, right. They made a fake. Uh... Yeah, right, 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 right. I was just upset because, like, I and it's a shame because this the way things happen. Bernie and Biden weren't going after each other before the last debate, so they were together, but they didn't have anything to say to each other. Yeah. And now, like, the last two weeks has been nothing but them sniping at each other over health care. Right, right, right. But this time, it's Bernie and Warren and Kamala and <laughs> Biden. It's like, well, nobody... We've already seen Kamala and Biden. So I right. would have liked to have seen either Warren and Biden or Bernie and Biden again, but we're not <laughs> getting that, so... So it's uh, July 30th and 31st. Ah, great. <laughs> From 8 to 10 on CNN. I was thinking oh. it was like this coming Tuesday or something. Well, actually, that's exactly what it is. Never mind. Oh. <laughs> it's this coming Tuesday and Wednesday. <laughs> I have no idea what day of the week it is. This month has really, uh, <laughs> has really gotten away from me, if I'm, if I'm did, being honest. Did you start your job yesterday? I was supposed to originally. I start it next Monday now. Okay, cool. So I'm okay. just off this week, which is kind of nice, actually. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty great. Yeah. <sighs> Hang on. Why is he yelling <laughs> like that? <laughs> All right. Well. I try to keep on keeping on.